flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. Welcome, Desmond Polly. We've got Desmond. She is a local uh, Charlestown naturopath, and I'm really excited to have a chat to you. Hi, Dot. Thanks for inviting me on to your podcast. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are, who are you? What do you do? Okay. Uh, well, I am a biomedical naturopath. So uh, I started about 15 years ago uh, and currently... Uh, still studying. I think I've always studied, but um, moving more into the functional medicine side of, of things as well. So I specialize quite heavily in um, gut and digestive health, uh, as well as hormone and thyroid imbalances. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Can I just be, you know, because I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the world. <laughs> What's the difference between a naturopath and a biomedical, whatever you said, you were a practitioner, and functional medicine? Yeah, well, there's a lot of overlap there because I, my uh, view on things has been always looking at the underlying cause and having a good framework of where to uh, investigate that in each person that comes in. And functional medicine provides more of a framework around that. So it's very evidence-based um, and it gives us a really good way of digging deeper and um, finding those uh, Achilles heels that people might have that's their imbalance and where some of their health um, issues may come from. So does that mean different testing or yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. what what how would a naturopath test in comparison to a functional medicine person I mean I know it's different from person to well person, it, but... it it is very different from person to person so it's uh, a difficult thing to say um, I do use quite a lot of uh, normal pathology uh, now not so much with kids though because no. I don't like to put kids through blood unnecessary tests. Yeah. blood yeah. tests uh, yeah but uh, as well as other functional medicine uh, tests and then obviously a big part Part of it is a really good case history taking, so really digging deep and finding out when did their actual uh, health imbalance start yeah. because I see a lot of their, their symptoms as being an imbalance in what can uh, what the body uh, wants to restore to normal. So if we can adjust right. that, yeah. then the body's got an amazing ability to be able to heal itself. It, yeah, it's amazing, mm-hmm. isn't it? So so just fill me in a little bit about, you say you so you like, if we're looking at kids and we're yeah, looking at, yeah, at sure. gods, um, what, what, what do what do gut health have to do with health of a person? Oh, well, I think gut health is, is paramount because our gut is where we're receiving the nutrients into our, our body. It's also where our immune system is trained. So most of our immune system hangs out in the gut. Uh, so uh, especially when it comes to kids who their immune system is developing and this hap- is happening in utero and through the breast milk as well but there's a a big um, I guess priming of that immune system that's happening in the early years yes. and if we can really look after kids and their gut health in those those uh, times then we show that there's a much uh, reduced um, expression of chronic disease later in life. So what, what does a good gut consist of? Ah, well, a good gut, like I guess, symptom-wise, you, you mean? No, or? no, just what does it what does it look like when you when you assess yeah. a person and you say, oh my goodness, you've got a great gut. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of that first off would come back from the the symptoms. So people saying that uh, the regular bowel motions. So a lot of I've got like lovely uh, the Bristol stool chart. So everybody gets to see that and um, and show me what sort of uh, stool they're having each day because that's really important to see that they're going frequently the right form of things. Um, the other thing is no, you know, no bloating, um, indigestion, burping, all of those kind of things. Yeah. Now there's a lot of testing that we can do. So usually um, that 
will either be something that could be initially if people are coming in for gut health uh, complaints. Otherwise, people want to usually um, ad- address their current concerns and then we start mo- move them towards gut health with pretty much every client because I see it so um, important. But that's where we can do um, testing for their microbiome. So we can actually do genetic testing to see what um, levels of, of bacteria they have. Yeah. Um, then um, we can also test uh, food sensitivities if there's any issues with them reacting to things that should be healthy foods in their diet that's not healthy for them. Yeah. Uh, and also that their nutrition um, is correct because if they've got nutrition um, defi- nutritional deficiencies, then that could uh, come from them having a, either gut inflammation or a lack of enzymes or ability to digest. So Okay. Yeah. So so what, um, what would kids maybe present with that would have a, a gut issue? Uh, they can pre- present with a lot of different things. So obviously gut symptoms would be a big one, so constipation or diarrhea. Now a lot of uh, I get a lot of parents coming in where the child might only go sort of once every second or third day and a lot of people are under the assumption that that's normal because that's the way it's always been. I don't see that as normal and that can usually be corrected quite quickly with just being able to tweak their diet for what's suitable for them right? Um, and address any nutritional, uh, sorry, any uh, food sensitivities that they may have. Yeah. Uh, other th- things that can be uh, chronic sinusitis or ear infections are often to do with gut health as well and that's where the immune system is reacting to either foods or environmental um, uh, stimuli that, that it shouldn't be. So it's, mm. it's um, overreacting. Um, and other ones would be a lot of the allergies, so like um, eczema, um, dermatitis reactions, as well as even things like asthma um, and hay fever symptoms. So would be a lot to do with gut health and that priming of the immune system as well. Okay. So you, you have mentioned um, food sensitivities a couple mm-hmm. of times uh, and the fact that certain health healthy foods yeah. that we perceive as healthy may not be healthy for a person. Yeah. Uh, could you maybe elaborate a little bit about how, how does that work in a little child? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So say, for instance, if a child isn't um, or doesn't react well to the dairy protein, now it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, a lot of people think of uh, lactose intolerance, but what uh, we often see with food sensitivities is more about the casein and in some cases the whey, which are the protein components of the milk. Uh, and that in, in turn will, uh, in grains, could be the gluten from your, you know, your oats or your wheat yeah. products. So... Um, with those sort of foods, they're seen as an intruder to the body. And that means that the the child's immune system can actually um, start attacking those um, components that are coming in and cause inflammation through the system. Now, if there's inflammation in the system, depending on where they, those inflammatory compounds settle out in the body is where you can get symptoms. So they could settle out in the skin, causing eczema. They could settle out in the joints, uh, causing joint pains. Obviously, they, some of them can pass through the blood-brain barrier and cause Um, mood um, like anxiety or poor concentration or um, you know even autism and um, ADHD um, symptoms you know connecting with those as well yeah oh and we see so much of that but Mm -hmm. what's your theory as to what why have the inflammatory numbers Mm. I mean I suppose when I say inflammatory I'm thinking of all the things you just mentioned yeah you know when I go back and think of, of being young, I, I don't mm. remember anyone having bloating or eczema or ADHD, or and I'm sure it's just because I had a small number of friends. <laughs> but but what, what, why do you think it, things have changed over the last many years? 
Yeah, I think it's a lot is to do with the way that we produce our foods. Uh, there's so much, like a lot of the foods, there's less fibre in those foods. There's more chemical residues in those foods. And we know from kids' bodies, they've got a smaller liver and their smaller weight ratio. So they're affected by um, pesticides and chemicals in our foods much more than adults are. Yeah. So I think that that's a big part. And then, you know, just our, the way that we breed uh, our foods, like with the, the different hybrids. Uh, so, for instance, with wheat, it contains a huge huge, uh, larger, a much larger amount of gluten than it used to. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the glyphosate, which, uh, you know, can make um, kids more, or people in general, more reactive to the gluten as well. Right. So, so what is glyphosate? Glyphosate's like your Roundup. So that's, oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. Sorry, I misunderstood you. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. And um, I was just reading a paper the other day actually showing that it, it forms uh, complexes with the gluten that uh, the immune system can then um, not be able to to uh, recognise well, like the, the other components, and to be able to break down the, the um, gluten properly. Okay. So yeah. So it's so, coming back into being more inflammatory for the for yeah, the body. Yeah. So you know, like that, it brings back the the argument for people who aren't don't have celiac disease. You know, is are they reacting to the gluten um, because they're you know actually intolerant to the gluten, or is it because of these chemicals, the pesticides that are on the gluten? Right. So you know, so the first point of advice from there would that be to try to eat uh, more organic, less processed? If people can, and now I know that that's it's sometimes um, picking the battles, and I think for any parents listening out there, they might be just thinking, well, that's great, but I can't afford yeah. that. So, you know, um, yes, you know, if if you think your child is reactive to gluten, then potentially if you're going to give them bread, try them on an organic-type bread yeah. um, if you're not clean on going gluten-free. But really, I guess I, I look at if, you know, maybe taking the gluten out initially, if that's doable for the parent, seeing if everything settles down because sometimes there can be more sensitivity than just the one. Yeah. Yeah, so if things don't settle down, then sometimes we need to go a little bit further and then seeing if we can bring that back and if we're going to bring it back bringing back the organic uh, form of it first would be a good you know way of testing that theory I guess yeah and do you have ways of testing um, I mean I guess what Mm. I'm hearing is that you're saying try to eliminate different products Mm. Uh, are there ways knowing that kids have um, sometimes very selective palates are there there ways of maybe helping a family Uh, go through that so they don't have to just eliminate everything? Yeah, absolutely. And I try to keep it as simple as I can. Now, if uh, we do the food intolerance test, then that actually helps to see what the main culprits are. Um, And then I'd focus more on the, you know, moderate to severe intolerances with that. Um, Otherwise, it's it's about helping people go through eliminating the the major um, ones, which often are your wheat or gluten, uh, dairy and eggs. Okay. So they're, they're pretty much the three that I see come up the most. Yeah. Obviously, the nuts, seafood, yeasts, there's there's others that can be there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, those three tend to form most of the intolerances. And, you know, some kids will be reactive to just one of those. Unfortunately, some kids will be reactive to more. If I see a lot of reactions there, then I'm definitely considering like more of a leaky gut or an intestinal permeability uh, point of view. So they could have had their um, uh, intestine, you know, some sort of infection perhaps that they've had that's led to some, you know, increased leakiness um, and that's going to make them more reactive to other foods as well. So sometimes when we correct that gut health, uh, these food intolerances can go away in some cases. Okay. Uh, So I've got lots of questions for you. So with regard regards to the food intolerance test uh, yeah. is that uh, the proper blood test that you you would 
get normally when you uh, when you go for an intolerance test? Yeah, no, with um, with kids I usually do just one that's a little finger prick, so I'm pretty good at doing that now. With that, I hardly ever get any tears. Oh, very good. Yes, I know, yeah. quite quick. So, um, and that tests 46 different foods. Now, it's an uh, a IgG reaction test, so it's not a true allergy test. So, if, if I do suspect allergies, then that's when I still would refer them to an immunologist to get like the skin prick tests. Yes. Um, because that's the most accurate way there. I do see some people go through with the blood tests and, you know, I don't always find that that's a, you know, an accurate way to test allergies. So can can you just explain, because I think sometimes people get a little bit confused about that whole Mm. allergy intolerance Mm. scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, How come they're not the same? Yeah. So it's actually a different immune, um, I guess, uh, effect in the body. So with an allergy, you're getting a histamine uh, release from mast cells. So it's quite a fast onset and it can be quite severe. So that can be often with the asthma airway issues. Uh, But, you know, it can also be around sinus um, and uh, eczema in some some, um, cases. Uh, Whereas an intolerance, sometimes that can take um, up to three days to set in and it can be an accumulative effect in some people. So if they've got a, some uh, kids, they might be okay having a bit of dairy, but then when they have too much, all of a sudden they get a a flare up of their symptoms. That can be really difficult as a parent because you'll be thinking, well, they've had, they've been having dairy and then they've had this new food, which may not be related at all, but it can just confound the matters. And a lot of parents are just really confused with what's setting off the, their, their kids in the first place. Well, well, fair enough. Because like you say, is it a combination of this or is it a combination of that? Then you end up not being able to eat much of anything. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I think that that's the real um, sad thing that there's a lot of kids that can end up on quite restrictive diets that I see and my aim is to try to prevent that as much as possible because the more that you restrict the diet back um, then you're going to actually be causing damage to the gut microbiome or the the bacteria that live in our gut that are there to actually keep our immune system modulated. Yeah. So because you have a restricted diet, I'm Mm. just trying to extrapolate on what you're saying, Mm. does it mean that the gut bacteria live on different types of foods? They do indeed, yes. (laughs) Yes. So a lot of, especially um, anybody that comes and sees me knows that I'm very uh, passionate about a rainbow food diet. So trying to get as many different plant pigments uh, from as many different variety of plants. So instead of sticking to the same type of apple or the same type of carrot, experimenting and and trying different um, colors of food different colours rices, different yeah. coloured beans, all of those things can feed, uh, you know, different um, varieties of our gut microbiome. And when we're thinking about our gut bacteria, there can be, we can have over a thousand different species in there. And some of those might be only fringe dwellers, but so they might only be very small numbers. But if we put the right foods in there, they can they can grow up and, and um, really cause massive effects on our own immune balance. Yeah. So how long does it take to, uh, to change a, a, a gut? Well, microbiome. Yeah, so it does depend. If there is really imbalances there, then sometimes it can take a little bit of time to um, be able to, I guess, restore balance in the gut. So with kids that have been on quite a restrictive diet, we can't go too fast because they will get bloating if we bring in foods too quickly. Uh, However, when we're looking at the actual growth of bacteria, we can radically change what bacteria are growing in our gut in only four days. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's really quick. But saying that, yeah, sometimes it does take a lot longer than that just to to prevent symptoms coming on in the the first place, slow and steady um, adjustments so that you know the, the kids aren't getting flares in their symptoms yeah i suppose when you're saying it only takes four days to make a change then it probably also means it takes less than four days to make a negative change Absolutely. if you're unwell mm-hmm. or if you're you know taking too many days of not particularly 
supportive food. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people might know that after coming back from holidays and maybe feeling good on holidays yes. for a period of time and then getting back and going, oh, I really am. <laughs> the balance oh, of that. Yeah. Uh, back to normal. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if, if we find that a child has uh, some sensitivities, let's just say it's, it's gluten, does it mean, okay, we've done a blood test, we see it's gluten, we're taking it off, are they off gluten forever? Well, that's, that's a really tricky one because there's a big difference between uh, something like celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition where they're actually um, attacking that gluten and that's causing a lot of gut damage, and somebody who is um, maybe has an IgG reaction uh, to gluten or to wheat yes. or something like that. So if, if obviously they've been uh, diagnosed with celiac disease, which the unfortunate thing about that, it can be quite difficult to diagnose um, because they need to be eating quite a lot of gluten um, and then there's a, a blood draw test that's taken. If they've got high levels of antibodies there, then they're usually sent for a biopsy yeah. um, to confirm that. Um, and that, so that's you know, the the uh, celiac side of things. Uh, but if somebody's reactive, say on an IgG test, we don't believe it's celiac disease. Then what I would be focusing at first off would be settling down their symptoms, healing their gut. So you know, trying to make sure that they don't have any um, leaky gut and they're, that they're immune system um, back to balance and then we can start with um, some of the gluten um, grains back into the diet and seeing if that flares things up. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately there is a little bit of guesswork there yeah. because there's uh, the testing in Australia for gluten is still a little bit behind. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so so, so what, what, what's your experience with the, the, the amount of time that, that it takes to heal? You're saying that you can make a change in the gut you know, mm. over four days mm. and the chances are that that's not what's going to happen if you've been having 12 years of, of gluten yeah. intolerance or whatever. How, how what, what sort of time frame do you tell the parents? Do you say, okay, well, you know, we're going to do this for, I don't know, six months and then we'll do a, t- a test or are you going to say we'll do it in three weeks and then we'll do a test or what, what's your sense yeah, well, once again, it depends on the on the situation as well. So somebody, like if I've got uh, kids that come in that have, have got diagnosed celiac disease, then they we know that it's going to take about that six months before their their intestine is absorbing food at the right yeah. manner and to correct some of their nutrient uh, deficiencies. Yeah. And obviously they're going to be staying off gluten for life, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, however, for a child who maybe has um, eczema yeah. um, and is reactive with that, they should start seeing results with taking those foods out within the first week or two. Yeah. Um, but you would be waiting at least the three uh, to six months before you wanted to start bringing those foods in, yeah. and that's when we'd be doing the gut healing. Now, to know the exact time frame of how long that takes, it yeah. depends if we do the testing, and a lot of parents um, would just go off the symptoms, yeah. you know, more so than doing the testing. Um, however, there is leaky gut testing that we can do. So yeah. I always offer the testing, but there's no pressure either way. We can do, you know, work in a range of budgets and, and that sort of yeah, thing with people. Yeah. Now, uh, th- there's a lot of uh, different people uh, talking about, obviously, the, the, mm. the state of the, the gut biome, microbiome, mm. and suggesting kombucha and kefir and kimchi and sauerkraut. And how, how, how do you feel about um, from not a, a supplement point of view, but from having those things in your in your diet, what effect does that have on the gut? 
Yeah, well, they uh, all of those uh, probiotics that you get from those forms, and same also with your supplement forms. They're transient, so that means they don't they don't set up house in in the gut, um, but they come through and they can actually um, help re-establish balance in our own gut bacteria. So our gut bacteria are generally set um, at quite a young age, they're around three years old. Um, they say that our gut microbiome is set and that it's not going to change too much. Obviously, we could kill off species in that time, yes. but we're not going able to add too many at current thinking anyway. Um, so what we're doing with putting some of these uh, fermented foods in, though, is actually some of these uh, bacteria that are coming in can help potentially um, uh, I guess, have a settling effect on the immune system yeah. as well as acting a little bit like police, I say. So, you know, getting the some of the gut bacteria that may be messing up to, you know, straighten out some of their habits. So, oh, okay. yeah, and that's where we use probiotics as well. So a lot of the probiotics that I use are ones that have been um, consistently shown to be useful. Say, for instance, some are, are beneficial for diarrhea, some for constipation, some for allergies, yeah. and, you know, knowing the specific uh, strains that would do that job. So it's not just necessarily going to the chemist and Oh, just have the one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot out there that are like, you know, I've got 50 billion of, you know, 10 different strains and really they're doing nothing because they're not using strains that have got any efficacy in the body. So yeah, yeah. saying that, though, I still definitely encourage the fermented foods and I'm a big uh, fan of encouraging prebiotics. So that was my next question. Ah, so what's a prebiotic compared to a probiotic? Yes. So a prebiotic is the food for the probiotics. So, you know, okay. like it's them taking their packed lunch when you're taking a probiotic or if you think about your own gut bacteria, which, you know, the, the amount of uh, bacteria that we have in our gut uh, outnumber our own cells 10 to 1. So yeah, it's wild, isn't I it? I know. It still gets me that. Yeah. So, so if we're actually nourishing them through feeding them the right types of food, that can make a massive difference. And when we're looking at prebiotic um, some of the things like your inulin or FOS for instance will has been shown to increase levels of your lactobacilli and bifidobacteria and decrease uh, levels of a lot of your harmful uh, bacteria so that's something that's great in there it's also a really great one for kids because it's great for their immune balance okay so is that a supplement or is that something you find in food ah both actually okay so, yeah so it comes in a lot of your actually your FODMAP foods so you know um, I don't know if many people have heard of the low FODMAP diet uh, so the low FODMAP diet is a diet that restricts different carbohydrates because it can settle down bloating and um, a lot of gut symptoms. Yeah. The problem is a lot of people can get stuck on these diets for too long and they can actually not be feeding their gut microbiome. Mm. So foods like uh, leeks, uh, shallots, uh, artichoke, um, most of your um, sort of greens like broccoli and things like that are actually providing some of these um, fermentable carbohydrates so it will actually be encouraging good bacterial growth. Excellent. Yeah, okay. so sometimes Sometimes it's just, sometimes you need to, you know, um, look at, you know, an underlying cause of issue if they've got a bacterial overgrowth, but then bringing those foods back and trying to nourish the good bacteria. Yeah. So it doesn't just feed the whatever one cell in your body, it also feeds the 10 cells in your gut. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think just reminding people of when they're eating, they're not just eating for themselves, but they're also eating for their gut bacteria. For their family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so someone told me once uh, that if you, because we're, we're talking kids, but you know antibiotics yeah. uh, and it supposedly kills out um, a significant number of your gut bacteria as well as whatever else mm. it's, it's targeted for how long does it take or is it possible to bring it back to um, normal levels Yeah, it depends on the type of antibiotic and how long they've been on it. So, you know, your general uh, penicillin or moxicillin, um, they're generally pretty good at being able to bring the gut back from that. If, if they've been on, you know, triple um, broad-spectrum antibiotics, then it can definitely be a little bit 
trickier and yeah. some of those um, gut uh, microbe species may be killed out uh, with that so that means that they'll that unfortunately they'll never come back without a um, like a fecal uh, transfer a microbial right. transfer um, as far as we know unless you know technology might catch up and we might be able to buy the, some of these um, yeah. gut strains in pills in years to come right. um, but when somebody's just had antibiotics you, it, it does vary once again, but you're probably looking at at least a month to six months, depending on. Okay, you know, so which people actually like make to uh, kimchi and, and kombucha is all very good, but I take it that people like that actually need a supplement. Yeah, I do yeah. use uh, probiotics in that case, and I yeah. use prebiotics to really uh, boost that back. And making sure that they're taking the probiotics during the time that they're taking the antibiotics. A yes. lot of people wait. They think, oh, it's doing no good, when it can actually definitely prevent more damage yeah. with them doing that. Just obviously taking them at a different time of the antibiotic. Yeah. And some um, there's different um, probiotics that are actually uh, transient yeasts that yeah. are killed by the antibiotics. So we can use them at the same time to prevent, you know, um, uh, some of the um, antibiotic-associated symptoms like really? diarrhea and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, oh, and it's so important, isn't it? Yeah. But that means then that a family with a kid with ear infections or whatever, mm. they have their antibiotics, but they really should take the probiotic then for six months? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I, uh, if they can do that, then yes, yes, that would be good. Now, the other thing is even starting off with a high-strength probiotic and then really looking at the prebiotic sides of, of, uh, with that because the prebiotics, you can actually buy things like your um, your GOS and your FOS, which are different types of prebiotics, yeah. um, at higher levels, and you could be supplementing that, which works out more cost-effectively as well. Okay. So, so what do the average parent um, that is, that's listening, can, can they go to the health food store Yeah. Uh, and say, okay, well, we have just had antibiotics prescribed mm. for ear infections. Mm-hmm. I need probiotics. What do I need? Can they go there? Can, is it something over the counter or yeah. how, how does that work? Yeah, so they can. It depends on the, the, the stuff that they get, obviously, uh, uh, how much they know about that. Yes. Uh, the ethical, oh, can I mention brands or anything like that on here? Um, so I think you can. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I would just say, yeah, we do apologize if we offend anyone. But yes, you go. Yeah, ahead. I just think that the uh, ethical nutrients brand is one that's pretty easy to get and that's the the inner health Um, it is still damaged by the antibiotics but it's a good one for re-establishing balance they do do a brand that I think is called Kendex that has uh, that yeast um, in there so that they can take at the same at the same time Um, yeah so so that would be a place to start if they at least want to make sure that they're doing something at the same time and then just really trying to keep their child's diet as broad as they can really thinking about those rainbow foods so that they're nourishing the child at the same time yeah yeah now i'm going to throw your curveball here oh, i know oh. you have i have you have two children <laughs> yes I do. so what what, do, what does their lunchbox look like Ah, well, that, that fruit and vegetables for the fruit breaks. So, yeah. you know, usually they've got like a little container with um, some chopped up apple or some berries or something in it. And another one where I usually put some, you know, uh, carrot, cucumber, that type of thing. Okay, so um, we've got red, orange and green. Yeah, yeah, so I try <laughs> yeah, to bring that in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my son um, is loving his uh, fried rice at the moment. So I think with winter, so bringing that into the into the lunchbox, that's usually got a mix of veggies in there and we use brown basmati rice. So that's a little bit of a slower GI release. So it's yep. a good thing with that. Um, my daughter often likes wraps. So, you know, a, a wrap with, you know, salad and um, some protein on there. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it depends on what I've got. So sometimes I do get lazy and I'll just get a packet of popcorn or something like that. Yep. Yep. But, you know, ideally,
Generally, I like to, um, you know, be cooking them a little mini quiche or, you know, things like that that, that can be as the um, recess kind of options. So. Good, well, you yeah. passed the test. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was fun. Absolutely. Okay, and and one last thing. Um, so, uh, t- do you have a particular uh, passion? Do you have some advice that you think is incredibly important for for our listeners to to have? You know, something they can use in their everyday life. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to go back because uh, I think my number one thing that I really want people to know is that food can be your medicine, and that don't underestimate the power of a healthy diet and what you can actually heal from just eating well. The most of our nutrients can come through our foods. Now it is true that our, our uh, foods may not contain as many nutrients as they did in the in you know days gone by. However, uh, you know if you start there, at the very least, um, trying to eat as broader. Um, diet as possible at least the kids are getting a broad range of tastes then as well so a lot of kids they don't know what they what they don't like or what they will like until they've had it quite a few times so you know really um Uh, sticking with that you know what's best for them as a parent and uh, um, just getting them to try little bits and and you know um, experiment with the foods that they're eating can make a big difference for not only their health now but how um, broad their thinking is when they get older yeah yeah, that's good advice I'm just going to tell you a silly story (laughs) a couple of years ago my my son was traveling uh, around the world and uh, he was in Canada living with a you know, a couple of boys. And as the typical mother, you know, I'm thinking he's out of home. You no, know, I wonder whether he lives, you know, in McDonald's mm-hmm. and stuff. So I just had a very, you know, quick sneak peek in the cupboard to see what he had in there. Uh, and what I found really interesting was that all the hard yards, you know, and he's away, he's out of home, and mother isn't going to tell him what he needs to eat anymore. But his cupboard was full of lentils and brown rice and you know fruit and vegetables and there was nothing prepackaged and I I was so proud of him Uh, and you know one thing was being proud of him and another thing was also being a little bit proud of me Mm. but knowing that it is when they're young that they pick up the habits and if we can make if we can instill a healthy habit um, you know it will be with them for their health for a lifetime. Absolutely yeah absolutely and I think that kids are little sponges so we really can educate them now you know so that they can understand that they're growing a healthy body and that starts early on when they're, they're putting all those foundations in so yes. you know um, the more that we can get them eating healthy with that and if they do eat bad they're feeling sick actually questioning them oh what you know what do you think may have caused that and, that's right. and linking it back to maybe the, the unhealthy food that they just demanded yeah. before or something so yeah. Yeah, that blue vomit child and maybe because of the sponge cake <laughs> sorry that was disgusting <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us Jasmine if you could just again just fill us in uh, where are you who are you just so people know where to contact you if if they feel they can get some benefit from having a chat to you sure thank you so much Dorothy, for having me on um, so I'm actually just pretty much around the corner from you in Charlestown um, my website is wellnessvision.com.au uh, so you can find out more about me um, there if you're interested and your name again Jasmine Polly and your business uh, wellness vision so, perfect yes. thank you <laughs> thank you The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Family Chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown. Serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.